Hey, what's up, everyone? Episode four already. Who would have thought? This week, I'm joined by YC, founder of No Losses New York, former tax attorney, and current senior digital producer for the Jesus and Marrow show on Showtime. Similar trajectory to me, kind of had an interesting circuitous route to ending up working in media, but he's there just like I somehow am too, so it was a really good talk. I hope you enjoy. So like the first question I have for you is that I've been starting everyone with because this is a quarantine started podcast is like, how are you doing? How are you? Um, I'm all right. Surprisingly okay. I feel like it's been a weird time for everybody, but it, it's been all right, man. Like, I can't really complain too much. I think it's affected a lot of people more than it has. Uh, it could be a lot worse, I guess. You know what I mean? I can't yeah, really, no. I can't really <laughs> yeah, complain. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So how, like, what is your, like, how much is your day-to-day? Obviously, all of our, like, day-to-day has changed. But, you know, like, you have a digital media-type job, like I had, and now I'm about to have, again, like, a digital media-type job. So, how, like, were you working from home at all before? Or, like, is this completely new? So what, what's been, like, different on that front? Uh, I think, actually, I mean, this is the first time I've been, like, working from home for, like, an extended period of time. Like, mm-hmm. I usually would take a day here or there um when I needed to like when there was a reason like last yeah. last winter I got really sick but I really didn't have uh the capacity or the like uh the support system like in place to completely drop off of my job for like a few weeks so yeah. I, I was still working from home but it, it was just like only on like a kind of as needed basis like surprisingly like this the job I have now it's like it is much better if I just and there in person. I think mm-hmm. everybody everybody works better when we're all in the office. So it's been a little bit of a different experience. I mean, it's yeah. good that we can do it at all. And like, more importantly, that we can like stay employed is like yeah. a big thing. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, so that like, even though we were, we can't be in the office, it didn't stop completely. Like we were off for a couple weeks and then we were back on. So it's been good. Yeah, it was interesting because, like, obviously, like, you know, like, the XFL doesn't exist anymore in the capacity that it did. But for the few weeks that I was still employed there and working from home and stuff, like, I found, like, I had a boss, like, my boss's boss basically was, like, vehemently against working from home before it was required, like, just didn't want that at all. And I was like, oh, man, I also was commuting four hours a day to Stanford, Connecticut round trip. So I, like, was really, yeah, I was hoping that I'd get to work from home. So that was a nice bonus. But I even did find that you know, even working in social digital, like it is so it's so much more cumbersome to have to send a slack or send an email than it is to just turn my chair around and ask someone something. So I found myself getting really frustrated with that. Um, But I enjoyed not three and a half, four hours on the train every single day. So that so that was good, at least. Yeah, I mean, it's it's weird to say it. I hate to admit that because I think for some people, and it's also like a, a personal taste thing. I think some people mm-hmm. maybe are more productive at home when they can like kind of be in their own space. And like, it depends on the type of job and like the type of like personality you have, I think. And um, even like the people you work with, I think sometimes people work in jobs where they're not like work with people they particularly love to be around yeah. all the time. So maybe a little bit of the space helps, but for us, it's, it's a little bit better that we're all, we all share like this bigger, bigger office and we all have like little desks around it. And, and uh-huh. I, I miss it now, obviously. Like now I used to be like, damn, I wish I could work from home more often. Now I'm just like, I wish I could be in the office. Yeah, I know. Grass is greener, right? Um, yeah, always. So 
we're talking about your current job now, but let's go like way back. Cause I'm actually really curious about some of this stuff. So like you have in your bio on Twitter, you have like figured it out late, but still. So I know you kind of like got into the digital media field as like a whole little bit kind of later, you took a bit of a circuitous route. So you want to just talk a little bit about kind of like your personal journey and where you ended up kind of how you ended up where you are today. I feel like I've talked about this a lot, but also have not gotten any better at telling the story. (laughs) Same. I'll just try to try to tell it as best I can in like the uh, most efficient way possible. But um, so like most people, I I got out of college a long time ago at this point. Um, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. I took like one of the first jobs I could like get. I worked at an insurance company for like not even a, I didn't even make it a year to be honest with you. Yeah. Um, and then I, I, when I didn't know what I wanted to do then, I did what a lot of other people do uh, when they don't figure out they go back to school. So yeah. <laughs> I went to law school and uh, I did that and I actually had a good experience because I think when I, I was ready to go back to school, I was in that frame of mind where I think like being in college in general, like beat the desire out of me to like really push myself to get good grades because I just yeah. felt like only so much I could do not to be lazy or anything but it's just more that like you realize how much of that stuff is like out of your control and like yeah. as an adult being in school you kind of figure just try to learn what you can learn for like the sake of it almost which is a weird thing to like come around about but mm-hmm. um so law school like you know it could be it could sound like this real like high pressure thing but I felt like I learned a lot of cool stuff about you know, law and history and how the country works and mm-hmm. different things like that. So the experience of being in law school was great. But the, by the time I graduated in like 2011, um, the job market was really bad. Um, yeah. So again, I took, you know, whatever job I was able to offer me, like I'm, I'm lucky that I had a job. I'd actually worked as a tax attorney for nearly five years. Oh, wow. So I, okay. Yeah. So I did that for a while. I wasn't like helping anybody evade taxes or anything like that. Nothing crazy. <laughs> It was nothing, real nothing boring. crazy exciting <laughs> no it was real boring stuff and it wasn't anything I could I could say with like mo- with like 95 percent certainty it wasn't anything like nefarious it was like yeah. trying to teach people how to like fill out forms and like real boring shit but also stuff that's just like how do you make sure you don't get in trouble for yeah not doing what you're for not doing what you're supposed to do um so I did that for like nearly five years and I just kind of burnt out like I basically I always was of of the attitude where if like, if I was getting paid enough to like cover my bills and like do the stuff that I wanted to do, like I didn't need to be one of those people that like, I love my job. Like I never thought that I needed to be that kind of person. I could like have my weekends, Uh you know, I could just work, you know, my, my five days a week at my job, get my job done and all that. But it got to a point where my job required more and more attention and more and more effort. And I realized I was not willing to, put in that effort because it wasn't like a dream job it wasn't like something I was really passionate about it was something I was doing for money um so I kind of burnt out a little bit on it and I like washed out of that job a bit like towards the end I was like thinking of quitting um at this point I feel like they were thinking of like letting me go and wondering if I really wanted to be there not even in Mm -hmm. a actually my employers were really cool about it they weren't even um mad they were just kind of like listen like if you don't like being here and this is not good for you maybe you should like look into something else which is good because a lot of places don't give you that you know like a lot of places will make you say absolutely anything to make you question kind of even like a slight change of heart so like that that's that's huge that's huge yeah absolutely i gotta say they were really supportive about it in the sense that 
you know, they, they, I was doing good work and I was doing good work for a while and then it started to tail off and they were just kind of like, look, it's not just, it's not just that we, you know, want this to be done a certain way and we want XYZ productivity. It was like, if you're unhappy, like you should really like think long and hard about whether or not you want to keep doing this. Like we're happy to have you, but think yeah. about it. And I did and I, and I just quit. I quit my job. I didn't really have much of a plan, but you know, working a job that you hate gives you the luxury of uh, some savings. So I kind of like burnt through that for a while. <laughs> yeah. And while I was doing that, I was like kind of getting into Twitter. Like I'd just been on it a while because I had like joined while I was like bored and like, it was just something to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and through being on Twitter and like meeting different people and meeting people in like the New York area, I got kind yeah. of leads on different types of jobs. I started freelance writing for Vice a little bit here and there because I had a lot of time on my hands. Yeah, um, yeah I just started doing like little, little odd jobs and making little connections here and there until I was able to get a social media job at Vice um, for their television channel, Vice Land, which is now called Vice TV, I think. Uh-huh. Um, so that's basically where I got like my first, my real first media job. And yeah. um, it was great, honestly. Like I had a good experience with it. I know that Vice, uh as a company or or you know the, some of the employees there um were involved in a lot of um not so great things um to put it lightly <laughs> yeah. um very lightly actually that's kind of that's kind of underselling it um by an egregious amount but yeah <laughs> um, it was a big company and it's hard because a lot of good people worked there i worked with a lot of good people i didn't have um i had the luxury of not you know being around a lot of the problems that were reported about vice even though they did yeah. exist um but I worked with a lot of cool people and a lot of people that were supportive and like the company was so big that it I think one of the big problems there was that people got treated differently on a very case-by-case basis and there was like no rhyme or reason to it like there were people there who were busting their ass working 80 90 hours a week and getting paid nothing and there were people there who were like having pretty chill nine to five existence who were getting paid a ton and like And then there were people who were being like actually mistreated and people who were, you know, who had great bosses and people who had shitty bosses. And it was just so inconsistent that it was just like kind of a crazy environment to be in. But um, I definitely don't regret the experience for me personally. It was, it was good. I learned a lot. It got me, it was like my first job that I got in my life that was based on like my actual work and like the things that I was doing and like, I think when you're younger, everything, every job you have leading up to that is just that you applied to a job, you went to XYZ school, you got XYZ grades, uh-huh. and you got the job, and they tried you out, and they trained you up, and all that. This is the first time where I was getting it based on people knew me, people knew my freelance work, they knew my social media stuff. Um, so it was kind of cool to have that as a, as a job, to feel like the first job that I earned, and I was 30 years yeah. old at the time, so... It was, that's what I kind of mean by like late, even though, uh-huh. you know, the concept of uh, time and age, especially right now, I think we're realizing it doesn't mean a whole lot. <laughs> no, no. Yeah. It's like, doesn't even exist. But it's funny you yeah. say that too, about um, kind of how everything around you of vice or a lot of stuff around you of vice, what, like there was some nonsense going on, but you were still living a pretty normal existence and able to do your job. Because that's very similar to like me at Sports Illustrated. Like I was happy to have my job. It was my first job in the field. I was stoked. Like I heard a lot of complaining and a lot of other stuff going on, but like me and maybe in retrospect, I, I should have like stood up for myself a little bit better. Or, like me, like I probably could have carved out a little bit better space for myself, but I feel like 
kind of like making it through an environment like that, definitely I came out the other end. Like you said, you learned a lot. Like I came out the other end having learned a lot of that situation. So I, th- I think it's pretty similar there. Yeah, absolutely. Except the fucked up thing in some ways is that like, I think advice is easy to like compartmentalize or like be in your own bubble, I guess. Yeah. So I wasn't even really like hearing about some of the okay. really bad things that were going on. And I think those things were just kind of obviously stuff like that for whatever reason, it gets swept under the rug or whatever it is. Yeah. You mostly heard about people just like working really hard and getting paid shitty. Like that's, yeah. The uh-huh. That which is everywhere. Have. I think, especially in media. Yeah. Like, media especially in media. Yeah. <laughs> like, unfortunately, unfortunately the like cool guy jobs, like don't pay. Cause everyone, cause like the demand for labor is like in the employer's favor. Like at the time, yeah. at least everybody wanted to like, work in media work in like work advice work at sports illustrator work at like yeah. you know any sports media company and all these things and they that gives them a lot of leverage and power to like not compensate you so well and not treat you so good and i was just lucky that the guy that i worked for um was really was he was a really great boss he was really helpful he kind of like taught me a lot and like helped me let me do what i knew how to do you know on my own uh-huh. like i never had an immediate job before but he was like you know you know social media like you should be able to just kind of like he he taught me the stuff i needed to know but he let me like mm-hmm. do it my own way i guess is how i would explain it which is all you can really like that's all I, that's what i've strived for in each job like in each yeah, social job sure. it's like yeah so you talked a little bit earlier too about you know just like kind of making connections through twitter and being on there early and like that's something i get a ton of questions about and like i have a little bit of a difficult time answering cuz like me and you like we know each other through twitter you know what i mean right. and like i I knew all I needed to know about you when those layoffs happened at SI and you DM'd me immediately like, hey, man, hope everything's all right. I don't think we we did. That might have been the first time we even like talked was you DMing me like, right. hey, man, if you need anything, like, let me know, like, give me a heads up, like, I'll, I'll be on the lookout for you. And like, that is like the best example I give to like, I give that example of you reaching out to me often when I'm talking to people because that's all it really takes sometimes, you know what I mean? To make a good sure. connection. And I think so many people don't realize that and they fall short on these things because they're like, how am I, like, what's the funny tweet I can do to impress someone? Or what's like, what's the best meme I could make to like get on this person's radar? When in reality, like, it's really nice to just have someone reach out and say, oh, hey, I hope everything's going all right. Or hey, if I could do anything for you. And like, the kind of people who are saying that they mean it. You know what I mean? Like you don't say, mm-hmm. like it would be a really weird thing to do to say that to someone and then just disappear if they actually reach back <laughs> right, out, right. you know, <laughs> like, but, but like stuff like that happens, but nah. So like when, so to get back to my point, cause I just rambled, like no, no. what, what did that look like for you early on? Like trying to make connections? Like were you reaching out to people whose work you respected? Were you just like chatting with people in general? Like what did that look like to you? Um, yeah, I think that you're right. That's a little bit of a hard question because on one mm. hand, like you, you don't, there's like a fine balance between like trying to, you know, make connections with people and like, I guess network, if you wanted to use yeah. that word, even though everyone hates it. Um, yeah. There's like a fine line between that. And then on the other end of the spectrum is that like, really, you should be reaching out to people that can do nothing for you. I mean, yeah. if you see somebody that like, because I feel like the thing about Twitter and like social media in general is just that it's so easy to like be supportive in like some way or another or uh-huh. to show support. And it doesn't mean that it's like an empty gesture or anything. It's just like, it's so easy to just hit somebody up and be like, Hey, like, hope you're doing all right. Or like, I saw this thing that happened or yeah. et cetera, et cetera. It's so, it's so, it makes it so easy to do that. So it's like, you should do that if you can, or if you feel moved to do that sort of thing. 
um, as far as like trying to get on people's radar and like, I think if you focus a lot too much on that, then you kind of like lose, you lose the, it's almost like, it's like trying to grasp sand. It's like, yeah. if you're trying to like get someone's attention too much, like you're kind of almost having the opposite effect. Yeah. Um, so when people have asked me that too, because I think a lot of people think that like this, like freelance writing or, or, you know, writing for publications in general is just like kind of mysterious thing. And a little, and, and to some degree it is, but I think that if you actually like follow people whose work that you like and you kind of keep up with it, or you see that like the stuff that you're working on or that you're doing mm-hmm. is a good fit for a particular editor or writer or someone at their publication, I feel like, reaching out and like asking questions and being honest about what you want, but not being like too demanding is really the best thing you can do, you know, to really express interest in someone else's work, to ask good questions, to also not, um, to not just ask someone to lay it all out for you. I think in work situations, in personal situations, especially when you're talking to strangers, I think that like the worst thing you can do is just to tell, to ask someone to give you, like the blueprint of like how to do something. One, because Absolutely. they probably don't know and different things work for different people. And two is just that like, if you have a question, like be specific. If you have like something that you need help with, like be specific about that. It shouldn't just be like, how can I, how can I get on? Like, how can I um, get more followers or how can I get uh-huh. a job at XYZ place? You know, it should be something tangible that you actually need help with that you're passionate about and not just you know I just want to you know and and I'm not saying it's wrong to like want those things to want a job in a certain thing to want to be like in certain circles or to like want to like make your social media more popping or whatever there's Mm -hmm. nothing wrong with that but if you don't want something more specific than that then like maybe take the time to think about what it is that you want to get out of this or if if social media can help you get those things that you want and for me I was lucky because like Social media basically has helped me um, have like a completely different career. And like, I have a job that I love now. I've loved every job I've had in the past five years. Um, And I feel very confident that I'll never have to go back to jobs that I don't love. So I'm at too. It's what I'm keeping my fingers crossed for at this moment too. (laughs) Ups and downs, but at least like, you know, I feel like right now for you, especially, and like for, you know, people who are like fortunate to be in our situations, like you're in the industry you want to be in. And sometimes just making that initial leap, just not just a job, but to an industry that you want to be in is like the hardest part. So um, social media is definitely helpful for that. Like it's an easy way. It's not an easy way, but it's like a way to get access and exposure that maybe you wouldn't have had before. Absolutely. And then, so that, that actually like kind of segues perfect to like the next thing I wanted to ask you is about, cause you have like this whole, you do a ton of like DJing and you have this whole kind of like real, so like, this is why I feel like it's interesting and why you're very unique in this is Mm -hmm. like we found i find so many people who like work in social media like they they really exist in the social media space but i can't think of something like more tangible and in person and real than like leaving twitter after like working professionally tour and then going and like djing a set somewhere and like hosting a party and djing so like how like first of all i just think that's great that's sick that you do that um so like how did you end up getting into that space too and like how do you find kind of that balance like do you find like how do you find that balance between like having to be so entertaining in person when you're used to being able to be behind the screen and like just kind of like what's that balance like and is that a release or like what is that to you you know besides money because yeah. money obviously you make money doing it that's good <laughs> yeah yeah not a lot but it's i mean i mean it's, it's kind of it's probably equivalent to like writing a thousand words for like any website maybe and yeah 
it's a lot more fun and there's a lot more free alcohol. Um, yeah. <laughs> but, but as far as that, like I, it was around the time that I quit my, quit my job in, in uh, tax law. I quit uh-huh. my job and like, I was trying to like figure out what I was doing with like Twitter and like social media and yeah. freelance, right? And I just had a lot of time on my hands. So around that time, I had two friends, my friend Lucas, who's in New York also, and one of my friends, Dan, who's in Cleveland. Um, they both DJed. And I'm just lucky that like I met a lot of people and had a lot of friends who were kind of into a lot of varied things that I yeah. could learn from them. So they really were, uh, they were already DJing and had been doing it for a while. And they basically both kind of volunteered to like teach me like the basics. Mm-hmm. because I was like really into like you know going to parties and like obviously like most people it's not unique I like music um yeah and I think that they both were kind of in that frame of mind where they were like well you you have a lot of free time now and you like music and you have good taste in music so maybe if you wanted to you can learn how to DJ and I never thought that I would want to do that I'm more of a like attend a party person than yeah. like throw a party person at the time so I just kind of took that free time to like learn from them. And that's kind of how I got started. And my friend, Dan, he lives in Cleveland or maybe in Columbus now, actually. But at the time he was in Cleveland, he wanted to throw a party in New York Mm. and he didn't really know a ton of people. Like he had friends in New York and he had friends all over, but his, his idea was I'd like to throw a party in New York and I don't really have um, many friends out here. So the hook will be, that this would be the first time you DJ in public. So he kind of like okay. <laughs> me, yeah. hooked me to like DJ and using my like at the time, like I had like a little bit of a following on Twitter. Uh-huh. Um, it's not quite the same as it is now. It's like, you know, whatever it is. Um, yeah. But he was just like, that's a good way to like advertise it on the internet. Cause he's like very like heavy on Twitter at the time too. So mm-hmm. he just kind of, I kind of use that as like, okay, well I'm learning how to DJ and I'm practicing. And now I have like a goal where I'm trying to get like good enough to do this in a public space, yeah. you know, at, at this particular date. So I kind of just started with that. And then once I did that, my friend Lucas was throwing regular parties and I was kind of auditioning to like, DJ at his parties and then like I got uh-huh. a guest DJ spot at one of his parties and then we started throwing parties together like and it kind of snowballed from there um as far as now like I do it's like <laughs> it's like it sucks to say this because like obviously everyone misses everything and there are bigger problems in the world but wow yeah. I kind of regret like canceling or missing parties that I could have DJed now and it's like I would yeah. do a lot to be able to just like DJ like a fun party right now like <laughs> I don't know like but you don't cool. know, what, yeah, no, and you don't know what you have till it's gone there. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> I, I, like I am a chronic clan uh, or uh, can plan canceler. I'm a chronic plan yeah, canceler. Right. Like I, like I, I love not showing up to shit. So like, like <laughs> it's just my go-to. And now I'm just sitting here. I'm 70 days or whatever into this quarantine. I'm like, man, like right. I, I'm like I would kill to go to like the worst bar. Like I, w- I'm like, man, I would kill to go to Hair of the Dog right now. Or like these terrible bars that like I never <laughs> want to go to anymore. Like I would kill, like I would kill to go to like one of the, or like a awful, like down the hatch brunch or something. I like I was like, I'll be in down the hatch tomorrow. If you told me. Oh my God. I know. Just shoving those disgusting uh, hash browns and French fries that they have from the kitchen in my yeah. face. Uh, but yeah, no. So on a, on a concrete puddle ridden floor. Yeah. Like, I would be a down the hatch today if I could. Oh man, yeah, down the hatch. I just found out yesterday. I went down like a rabbit. I didn't realize how many places that guy owns. Like the the people who own that, they own every single places at least. 
every single bar that like every single one of my friends who moved to the city and has a finance job, like those guys, you know what I mean? Like that crowd, like every single one bar that they go to is owned by the same guy. It's a monopoly. Cornered the market on like shitty, like uh finance bro, like, like no disrespect to finance bros. I have a lot of finance bro people who I've known in my life and Uh friends, but um, yeah, they like cornered the market. They all have like names that are kind of similar to like down the hatch, like yeah, the, oh, oh, like. yeah, hair of the dog, three sheets saloon, all of them. I mean, there's yeah. a bunch of free free ads for them right now, but and, like they all have the same signs inside. Like you could tell yeah. the signage is. It's very strange. It's weird. They figured out like a formula almost. Uh, you 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 almost begrudgingly have to respect it. So yeah. I guess they. I mean, I don't, I don't know how things are doing now. Like I'm the hospitality industry right now, I'm sure uh-huh. is like a shitty place to be right now, but yeah who knows who knows probably not the best time to shit on any sort of restaurant but we did um so one of my (laughs) one of my favorite tweets from you in general was just that one that you did about like djing your parents i remember you said about like djing your parents 40th wedding anniversary or something and like one of your little cousins was just i forget the exact tweet but something lines like hey like it was like your dad texting you like hey can you make sure you play a gucci gang or something like that are you the family dj now too like with for family Um, parties family events are you the dj now I think to some extent, yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> at this point, too, my dad's like, my dad will like send me like music that like he wants me to like listen to that he yeah. thinks I can use like at parties and stuff, which is cool. Uh-huh. And he has really good taste in music too, so like yeah. he definitely, um, uh, I get whatever taste I do have, I get that from him for sure. Um, and yeah, I guess I am to some extent. Like I haven't done another like family thing in a while, and I feel mm-hmm. like it's. It'll probably be a while before I get to do another one, but yeah. um, that was like a really cool thing I got to do, and it was a lot of fun. Like my parents, like kind of like rented out like a room in like some restaurant in Brooklyn, and like yeah. we like we had another family friend that has all this like audio equipment because she has she's just has, like a weird like she's just like one of those weird hobbyists that has entirely too much audio equipment that like clearly she spent more money on than she could have yeah. used to make money. Like she just has like you know like enormous subwoofers and speakers and like a whole dj booth that like folds into a box and like all this shit so we got a bunch of dj equipment like for free to borrow and i was able to do that and it was a lot of fun so i i I done that i dj'd a wedding once which was cool uh, oh a wedding of like a friend or a random person um some co-workers have co-workers back when i was at vice actually awesome um i don't know if i was still I don't know if I was still at Vice at the time. I might have left, but I had agreed to do it while I was still there. Uh-huh. Um, I probably was still there, actually. So, yeah, I DJed at a wedding for a bunch of, like, coworker friends a while ago. And around that time, strangely enough, um, I DJed my, one of my best friends from high school. I DJed at his baby shower, which sounds like a strange thing. <laughs> but, like, baby showers are a little bit different in, like, the West Indian, like, Brooklyn community. They're, like, uh-huh. these, like big parties. So yeah, I, I did that too. So I had like a real, a real run of like baby shower, like wedding, 40th anniversary party. I'm trying to do that. like, I'm trying to get on like the bar mitzvah circuit or something like next. Like, there, I'll tell you what though. Like I used to, I worked at, I worked at like, they touted themselves, like me and all my friends worked there. It was our summer job through college. Um, Like mm-hmm. literally like 10 of us worked at like a, a wedding, a wedding venue and like event space, right. but they'd have bar mitzvahs and stuff. It was like the number one rated wedding venue in upstate New York. Um, yeah. so I ended up like working all those and I'll tell you what, 
some of those bar mitzvahs were like way more expensive than the weddings that we were hosting. Like, oh, we'd have absolutely. A, like, and, and those DJs, man, like those were some of the most fun events, but like, I do not pity the DJs, like good luck, like trying to get those 13 year old, is it 13 year old or however old kids <laughs> yeah. to participate. It was like, we would just sit and laugh. Oh, those were some of like, that just like brought back a flood of memories in my head of working a ton of like early Saturday morning bar mitzvahs that were just an absolute blast trying to get those kids to participate. Um, the girls are always like what two kind? feet taller than the boys and the boys are just sitting yeah, there all yeah. nervous at their tables. It's good. But like, but you see how good a DJ can be when they're able to get like a party like that to actually like pop off and not have kids just sitting there by themselves. But that, that was and, and like the tweens are probably like the toughest audience. So I don't like yeah. uh, envy them as far as that, especially like now I'm sure it's real tough. What kind of stuff did you do when you worked at the, at the venue? Like what kind of work did they have you doing? It was just like, I was a server. So like, I was yeah. mostly like, it was a, it's funny. They're actually in like a class, act, class action lawsuit for like having, oh, no. having people do jobs outside of their job responsibilities, which like, I got that letter in the mail. I was like, they'd have me in like a paint suit out back, like painting lids for stuff. They'd have me like dragging tables. There was a point, there was a really strange place actually. There was a point when like they had in the summer, they'd get like the J1 visa kids from overseas to like come over and work. And like they had us build, they had us build the bunk beds that these kids were gonna live in, and like the housing and stuff. So it was a very strange place, actually. Oh, um, <laughs> but it was fun. It was like you ever watched? Did you ever watch the show Party Down? Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was very like very, very similar, similar to Party Down type vibes. Like it was my brother was the major D, my friend Garrett was the captain, and then all of us were servers. So like we just we would just mess around and and have a ton of fun, and then be like responsible for like five hundred thousand dollar weddings. When in reality, we'd all be showing up like terribly hungover and a mess but it was a good time <laughs> yeah i'm sure it was fun to some extent yeah and i definitely know what i want at my wedding and i definitely know what i don't want at my wedding after working about <laughs> 400 of them so much um, exposure to it damn yeah yeah so on top of that so like on top of all this other stuff we've talked about you're doing you have like this whole no losses brand um so like what's the origin of that kind of if you want to kind of just give like a quick summary of what that is what that means to you because i feel like that that that's pretty close to your heart you know what i mean it just feels like that's something you really care about for sure for sure um it's a little bit on hiatus right now just because everything that's going on but even prior to that i, I got a little busy with work and i kind of um was just unable to do much with it up, up until um we started um selling like bernie sanders shirts yeah. Um, so we did that for a while and those are real, those did really well. And like, we raised a ton of money. Um, mm -hmm. but as far as like selling our own stuff, we were just, we just been like on an extended break. I'd love to start it back up again. And like, I'm thinking about how to do that, but it was just like a long time ago where, um, I had, I had like tweeted something, which is so weird, even in talking to you and like knowing the subject matter of this podcast, it's always yeah. still awkward and weird to talk about like Twitter or like a tweet being like I the know. focal point something that caused something else or whatever yeah uh, my whole life is because of a couple funny tweets i had that chrissy teigen decided to retweet that's literally the only reason i have the existence i live right. so i get Which it yeah how like, fragile everything is and how like oh, yeah. lucky we are that like things turned out the way they did but um yeah so i had like tweeted something that i thought was just, like a little funny it was like a play on like an old saying um you know it, it's like nice to be important but it's important to be nice so I just like tweeted one time. It was like, it's nice to be popping, but it's popping to be nice. Yeah. And I thought it was like a funny thing and people like reacted to it. It wasn't like a super like viral tweet or anything. It's just like a thing that I thought was funny. I was like, oh, I'm so, I, I said a funny thing. And I, I, I like that because I think it explains uh -huh. at least a little bit how I approach like my interactions with people or like how mm -hmm. I approach like how I try to treat people. 
So is that it's that plus it's like something that was funny. And I was like, I was like, maybe this is a little bit, uh, uh, I don't know if this is like uh, an ego thing or something, but I was like, I think I'm, I'm going to put that on a t-shirt. I think that's like a funny thing to have on a t-shirt. So I yeah. printed one t-shirt that had that <laughs> phrase on it. It was just yeah. like, it was a gray t-shirt and it was in, it was in pink script. Yeah. And did you do like, like an iron on, like you did, or did you get it made through custom ink or did you do like a like, TJ Maxx yeah. iron on yourself? I literally just like ordered one t-shirt on like custom ink or whatever these like yeah. print on demand type things and like waited like the three weeks or whatever it was for just the one t-shirt. I was just like pink lettering on the yeah. back of a t-shirt and um, I printed one of them and I posted a picture of it on Twitter just to be like, ah, I posted one of my own tweets on a t-shirt. Isn't that funny? Kind of thing. Yeah. And people were like, oh, I would buy one of those. Oh, I would buy one of those. Like a couple people were like expressed interest in this and I was like oh like I never really it never really occurred to me to like do that like I never occurred to me and that's kind of where I started thinking like oh I could not to not to be cynical about this but I was like oh like people can make money yeah on Twitter like might be, able to wet the, might be able to wet the beak a little bit here on top yeah, of like, oh, through it <laughs> yeah I was like uh I was like uh if you want to get real technical about this I've been giving away this labor for free yeah. maybe I can you know get make a little something out of it and also it would just be yeah. cool that it's just always a cool feeling when like people like um show appreciation for something you did and like people are wearing something that yeah. you made so that's kind of where it came from and uh, my friend Lucas, the same guy who like helped me um, learn to DJ or taught me how to DJ, um, he was working in fashion at the time. So I kind of just like, tech I was out at a bar with some other friends and I just texted him because all this was going on on my phone while I was like out. I just texted uh -huh. him like, yo, he, I was like, he, I didn't know he was already doing like some like, um, he was like selling merch and like doing stuff on the side mm -hmm. and like he knows about like um, the business of like uh, retail and like fashion. Yeah. So I kind of texted him and just asked if he was interested in helping me out with with selling these t-shirts, like being kind of like the business commerce brain of this yeah. thing. And he was down. So we just like started selling those t-shirts. And it was literally like we made two mock-ups. We didn't even actually get two actual t-shirts. We made two mock-ups of this shirt in like two colors. It was like the gray and pink one. And it was like a black and yellow one. And we tweeted out a picture of it. And we basically were like, we're making these t-shirts. Um, if you PayPal us some money, <laughs> like to this address, <laughs> there was no store. There was like, yeah. <laughs> it was like, if you PayPal, and it was like an email address that wasn't even like a professional name. It was like, if you PayPal fartdog123 <laughs> at gmail.com, we promise that you'll get a t-shirt in the mail in about three weeks. Yeah. And we sold like really of faith. <laughs> yeah and people were like bet and people were just like sending us money and yeah. we were like oh shit like people are really and it never it, i promise it never occurred to us to just run off and be like all right we're not sending you guys shit but yeah. <laughs> i was so surprised that like i just yeah. figured it would be a couple people that like maybe that knew me or a couple people that were just kind of whatever but like people were just very like Sure. And they started PayPaling us some money and we printed up a bunch of t-shirts and we sold a bunch of them. We did a couple runs of it. And um, people got their t-shirts on Twitter and like we're posting pictures of them. So that, we, and that was mostly just to show that we weren't like scamming people. 
Like yeah. I wasn't really caring about like it getting more attention yeah. or anything. Like, I just please someone say to... they got their shirt. Someone say they got yeah, their shirt. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> and it was also just like we were like printing them and getting them shipped to my apartment and we were just like packing them in a we were just sitting down and like we bought like mailing envelopes and like we're packing yeah. them and printing out the labels on my like shitty like laser printer and mm-hmm. like just doing that all ourselves. Like we just do like a few every night after work and we were just like mailing them off and people were getting them and then we just we just did that like a couple of times where we would like sell stuff where we would just put out a picture and say PayPal this address and we'll send it to you in a couple of weeks and we did that and then after a while we started formalizing like an actual like brand I guess or like a yeah. store like actually making something that looks a little <laughs> bit like more legitimate no loss inside NYC like we actually got yeah. like, invested a little bit of money just to not look like scammers um, yeah. so we started doing that and it was just kind of like uh, we called it no losses just because it's just like a phrase that we would say a lot like when we were uh-huh. like we were like uh getting ready to like dj a party or like do something it was just kind of like uh almost like a, a rallying a rallying cry like a kind of like four tuttle type shit that you say yeah to like pump yourself up when you're like feeling uncertain or like feeling a little scared about something so um yeah that's kind of like where that came from I love that. Um, I think that I actually think like, I don't remember I, when I like specifically found you on, on Twitter specifically, I think you maybe had a back for back and forth with, uh, with Trill with Tyler. I am who's, who's my guy or something. Yeah. I remember like seeing you years and years ago, but I think one of the first things I saw was like someone tweeting about buying one of your shirts or something like that. So it's interesting how you come across people. Cause like, I feel like I exist in like a bit of an echo chamber on Twitter. Like it's all, I, I really only follow people whose opinions I care to see. And like, you know what right. I mean? Like that's very much the space I operate in. So it's kind of rare that like a whole different group of stuff kind of like breaks in. So I think it was very much just, you were in the same realm of a lot of the other things that I was following so or maybe to transition to this next thing it might have been something Nick's so like just one question that will kind of like wrap up here to finish with and then I'll let you go uh because I know you're a busy man is yeah. are the Knicks gonna ever gonna be good honestly because I honestly don't think they're ever going to be good and it, it physically pains me well <laughs> are you a Knicks fan yeah huge Knicks guy yeah huge Knicks oh, okay, fan. yeah yeah. I was like, why does it pain you? I was like, most people take pleasure in. Uh, oh yeah, no big. I used to help run the the Knicks wall, that blog, the Knicks wall. That was like my first thing oh, in, awesome. in in I media read, was that. Yeah. Yeah, I read the Knicks blog and like posting yeah. and toasting. I don't know how, yeah. what your relationship is with those guys, but yeah, yeah I, love, I love I to to show you what what a big real Knicks fan I am. It's like who is like following Knicks co- blog content during the quarantine right now? Yeah, only, I know, only, right? Only it's like, <laughs> like us. So, yeah, I'm a huge Knicks fan. Um, will they ever be good again is a, a very large question. I mean, to some extent, I mean, maybe this is a long way of saying no. But, uh, but I think to me, it, like, it just, at this point, it doesn't matter. Like, yeah. yep. if you've been following the Knicks in modern history, like, which is literally, at this point, the Knicks have been bad for, what, 25 years? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, roughly. <laughs> I mean, so I think that, like, well, I mean, maybe that's a little bit, maybe about 20 years is about the real, yeah. like 20 years is about. With the a little sprinkle moment. of hope there during uh, the, the, the right. 50, 54 one season. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm, re- I'm, I'm like literally wearing, I'm going to just like move so I can see. I'm literally wearing the like. Oh, there we go. Like black, yeah. black stripe mixed shorts as I say this, but they're probably, I mean, even if they're never good again, or if they, if they are going to be good, we'll be, we'll be much older. Let's just put it that way. But it almost doesn't matter at this point. Like, I take pleasure in just even when they're a little bit competent. Like, I take pleasure when, you know, uh, uh, off-season goes by and they don't do anything, like, 
patently stupid. Yeah, like, like when their have- when their miss moves aren't the talk or of free agency. That, see, that's good because I feel like uh, there's not there aren't that many Knicks fans like us that try to kind of find the joy and find the pleasure in the little things there. And people are so right. upset with the overall thing. Like me, like I like. I was ready to die for, for Jose Calderon. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I was like, yeah, this guy looks yeah. all right for us for a little bit and stuff like that. And, like, I, I reflect pretty fondly on the Steve Novak years and stuff like that. But, um, no, it's I mean, you, you can take what you get. It's funny you say, though, like, it doesn't matter because uh, I'm a big Mets fan, too. And, like, when the Mets went yeah. to the World Series a handful of years ago, like, it, I fear this is what will happen if it's the Knicks. It never felt real. And it never felt like it was actually possible. And, like, them being good was something that was happening. And then they lost. And then, like – I almost forgot to get any joy from it while it was happening. And right. then I moved on and was like, shit, I, I didn't – like, that wasn't even fun for me because you're all. so stre- – like, having a good team is stressful, I feel. I don't, wouldn't know. But, like, I Absolutely. feel like having a good team would be quite stressful. <laughs> yeah, I mean, in some ways it would be, but it's also kind of like the – the like, the uh, – what's the word I'm even looking for? But the bar gets, like, moved along so quickly, yeah. too, where I feel like – if the Knicks were in a few years, if the Knicks were to make the playoffs, it would be like this great thing. But we quickly move on to, okay, now they need to like win the East or like yeah. now they need yeah. to get a championship. Like we've yep. been waiting so long, blah, blah, blah. We'll skip right past the point where we're like, remember when we put all our hopes in like Tony Douglas and like, yeah. people are like, <laughs> be like, who's Tony Douglas? You know how many like dozens of Knicks I can name right now that people don't remember that played. Oh man. And, like, that meant so much to me at the time. Like, yeah. and they absolutely, like, washed out without even, like, a hint of a – there are guys that come up, like, recently where – I saw on Twitter just yesterday where they were showing highlights of, like, Kobe, like, cooking the Knicks or whatever. Uh-huh. And this guy from uh, from uh, Posting and Toasting said, all I, all I remember from this clip is that uh, we finished out the quarter with Sean Williams at the five. Sean Williams. Like, yeah, <laughs> like, all these, like, deep cuts – Jonathan Bender's comeback year. <laughs> like, oh my like, God. Like, season and retired. Like, there's so many weird random Knicks that, like, were so important at the time, even when the Knicks were horrible at the time. And, and it's so funny. And, and people don't even remember those guys. And, like, the minute that we make the playoffs, we're going to be on to, like, worrying about, you know, making, winning the East and, like, doing the next thing and the next thing. And we're going to not, like, even remember the times that we were, yep. like, putting all our hopes in, like, Mike Sweetney. And like, oh Sean Williams Sean showed up somewhere lately. I forget. Is he on a tele? He's on a reality show, isn't he? That was actually me, I think. Because was that you I, who tweeted that? <laughs> I was watching, because um, I've got plenty of time to watch TV. I was watching yeah. like Wii TV, um, uh-huh. taking a break from like Law and Order, OG Law and Order Marathon. And there was like yeah. a, a, like a, a, a like couples counseling type show. And it's uh-huh. like, it's like, a bunch of like tangential some actual hip-hop people and then like people tangentially related to hip-hop i guess so it's like yeah waka flaka and like soldier boy and like all of their like um girlfriends and wives they all live in this like house together and they get counseling. and sean williams and his wife or girlfriend is one of the couples is she sure is she at all oh okay is she at all related to like the hip-hop world or I no i don't think so like and i don't understand the sean williams thing but I mean, he's on this show, which is, like, crazy. It's, like, Sean Williams, Waka Flocka, Soldier Boy, Benzino, and some random people. Um, yeah. But it's kind, of, it's kind of cool that I was, like, oh, he's still, like, kind of around doing stuff. Like, yeah. I don't know he how – He was pretty I, good. 
Like he was not like he like he had the corner he three. The corner three. <laughs> he had the corner three. He was the corner three god. Yeah, he was he was where it's do you know who, yeah, he's tall. Not everyone's tall. Do you know who pops in my head the other day? This is a Knicks random Knicks. Remember the faith that the Knicks community put in like the steal that they thought Jeremy Tyler was gonna be? Remember Jeremy Tyler? They like had him on their D League team. He was like, he was kinda like he like kind of skipped college like Mitchell Robinson did. Like he was kind of like Mitchell Robinson. Yeah, like and he ended up just going to China and he was like he was like twenty years old and already played for like nine different international teams. Like he was one of those dudes. Yeah, that didn't work out. But I but I had a lot of faith in him for a while. We were always finding like random, which is kind of cool because like not him, but I mean in some ways, like if our team was already good. Some of those random finds would have been kind of cool, like Pablo yeah. Prigioni. Like, oh, I love Prigge. Yeah. And he was great. And I thought he was going to be like, I don't know, I thought he was going to be something. Maybe play one season with the Rockets or something. Too, yeah, and, and I think he's an assistant fired. coach for the Nets now maybe, or he's somewhere oh, still. Oh, yeah. yeah. I think that's cool. Like, I, mean, I saw someone, yeah. Yeah. I saw someone the other day tweeted a Pablo Prigioni highlight tape, and I was like, "All right, that's." I was like, "That's my guy," but we're a bit deep into quarantine right now. If someone's going and pulling, pulling Prigioni highlights, like him playing possum and then like stealing an inbound. It's pass. just him like, stealing inbound <laughs> passes. It was just him stealing inbound passes for like four and a half minutes, which was pretty was entertaining. Who's just playing like 2K defense that you would play against, yeah. like oh, against the computer yeah, or rookie or whatever? Square, 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 square. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Um, well, that's all I have for us here today, man. Uh, anything okay. you want to plug on your way out here? One of your many oh. ventures that you're involved in? Uh, like I said, we're on hiatus, but there's still stuff you can um, purchase on nolosses.nyc. If you want to throw us uh, some, some, some pizza money, feel free to do that. Um, <laughs> also want to plug uh, Dee Samara on Showtime. Uh, the guys, um, very good guys. Still very good guys, even as their star continues to rise. Um, you know, check out that YouTube page. Uh, yeah. I know the quarantine, there's lots of entertainment options right now. But, you know, give us some give us some views on that YouTube page. That's what me and my department work on um, primarily. So, um, show Jesus and Mero, um, Show them some love. Um, I hope everything is uh, good with everybody. RIP to Lil Richard and yeah, no, terrible Darrell. News. Terrible news for the music world, for the black community, um, to use that term, I guess. Uh, uh-huh. For the music world, for pop culture. Um, terrible losses there. Um, and I hope everything's going good with you, man. I know uh, you've been going through some job changes. Um, yeah, appreciate I that. Like I'm a media person, you know? Yeah, yeah, I know. And, like, I, I think when the tone has shifted and everyone's in a better place, hopefully eventually I'll be able to, like, flex my got hired during a pandemic little flex, which is, which is something <laughs> yeah. that existed for me, but I'm not really comfortable throwing out right now. But I do have one more question, if that's all right, uh, just from Zach. Zach, I give Zach one question uh, at oh, the end here. Yeah. yeah, no, actually, I, would, I wanted to uh, sort of just touch, first off, my, my favorite Knicks memory, I'm, I'm like not yeah. a huge NBA guy now, but I was in the 90s, was when oh, he yeah. uh, got owned by Muggsy Bogues is probably <laughs> the greatest thing on the face of the earth. He's got yeah. literally two feet on him, and that was amazing. Um, yeah, I guess, you know, in sort of all the stuff you're talking about, because we do have sort of a thread of like, how do people break into this stuff? Yeah. Um, and you know like do you feel more comfortable as a like a media producer now because you have like your lawyer like you can you can fall back to being a lawyer like that's that is like you can just fall back on like a career that people spend decades trying to you know yeah. reach and right. and other stuff because i've noticed like i'm i'm older than bailey uh, i've gone in and out of several careers and uh one thing that i have sort of gotten to the point now is like i'm sort of comfortable with my skill set and right. i i don't feel like i'm I can get played quite as much as like someone who's just trying to break into something. 
Right. I think I think you said that right, honestly. I think um, not only just, you know, having had a different career, because I think having worked outside of media and doing a job and even just doing any job where you didn't particularly like it, I mean, the problems you have working for, like, a big media company seem so insignificant. Like, yeah. watching, like, going around, like, the vice office and watching, like, 22-year-olds complain about, like, the snacks in the office. It's just, like, kind of not, like, even to shit on that because, you know what? You know, working conditions are what they are. And, like, you can, everybody's <laughs> problems are relative to other people's problems. I'm not trying to minimize that. But like when that was like the biggest problem that I was like kind of seeing for a while when I first started a new job, I was like, man, this is fucking great. Like, <laughs> I was like, I have to worry about them running out of granola bars. And like, that's the worst thing that happened to me today is like, they didn't have the granola bar that I like. Um, so I think just like being in a different career definitely gives you that confidence and like that feeling of like appreciating stuff more and feeling confident in your skill set, like you said. And also just, uh, I think breaking into this stuff um a little bit on the older side like one of the things that one of the points I always try to make to people especially um guys because I think that like maybe Bailey's audience is kind of like this too it's a lot of young dudes and I think that like young dudes are men specifically are a little bit like insecure about some of this stuff like career stuff and just like the emotions that go into like trying to make it and trying to get noticed and trying to trying to break into these kind of jobs in sports in general media and music whatever um there's a lot of insecurity around that but like in private messages like people will hit me up and like ask me questions and I think one of the things that I gained by breaking into this stuff a little bit later in life not in my 20s is that um you just get you just know that what you can do and you know that it's like it's not a, it's not a big deal if I fuck this up too bad like you can only fuck this up so much. You have a lot more confidence in like what you're doing and what you're saying. You you've had life experience and job experience, and like it just puts things into perspective. Not just the job, but the age and like the experience that you, the experiences you've had leading up to this point gives you so much perspective on how like this this stuff is all great. But you're not you as make, important as you think you are. Like like give yourself exactly. a break. <laughs> give yourself a break. You're not as important as you think you are. It's not life or death. Like especially now we all know what life and death really really is so it's just like have fun and like do your best and like it's not it's not gonna make or break you you know just try to do your best and like what I try to emphasize to those guys especially too is that like social media didn't exist when I was 22 like there were not jobs in social media when I was 22 so the fact that like I really broke into something that didn't even exist when I was out of college when I was an adult looking for a job just tells you that like whatever you end up doing that you end up loving or that you end up finding or that brings you happiness or like brings you whatever you want in life. It may not even exist yet. I don't know if that's a comforting thing or, or a scary thing, but just it's never too late to keep looking, I guess. You know what I mean? I don't think we could possibly end on a better. Yeah, I think that. that was good. All right. Well, I see what, thank you so much for coming on. I appreciate this. I appreciate you looking out for me in the past. Appreciate the yeah, kind thanks, words. Thanks always so much, guys. I appreciate y'all having me on. For this week's random Twitter follower, I had on Fallon Moore, who won my best meme of the week competition. She crushed it. We actually jumped right into some like serious, awesome mental health slash virtual therapy talk. Enjoy. Okay, so like the first question that I'm going to hit you with is just like, how are you doing? With all, all things considered, everything going on, how are you? Yeah, you know, all things considered, uh, I'm doing well. I've always been a little bit of a homebody, um, so it's not a huge 
transition in that sense. I've also been working from home since July. I've been in my current position since July. So, I mean, I've, this is kind of my normal anyway. The main kind of change for me day to day is I used to travel for work pretty frequently, like twice a month or so. Mm -hmm. Um, and just like travel for, um, pleasure as well pretty frequently my husband and I love to travel um Mm -hmm. we go to a lot of away soccer games for Minnesota United um take you know other kind of random vacations and stuff so that's been a big adjustment um we actually had to in March we were supposed to be in Europe for our our honeymoon and it was like so sorry to hear that that's yeah it was like right as everything was exploding we were um supposed to do um uh Paris and England for two weeks and obviously that has been postponed. We also still currently have flights booked to um, Japan in September. Again, Oh man, probably not going to happen. So Uh, yeah, not looking great um, for that. So like, so your day to day in terms of like work hasn't changed that much, but then pretty much everything outside of that kind of like that bubble has definitely sounds. Yeah. I think that it's it's interesting because like, I really like asking people that question when I have them on and whether it's like the quote unquote random Twitter follower, whoever it is like, because some people's lives are drastically different. And then some people's lives aren't that different like me my life got very different I didn't have a job right very different very quickly (laughs) I was never working from home I went from commuting four hours a day to not at all um when I was working yeah I know it's crazy um so like things got kind of like I hated to say it but like for a little bit there things got a little better for me and Mm then uh they weren't and now you know it's been like I was supposed to have a trip with my parents where I was supposed to see my parents I haven't seen them in months and like Mm -hmm. my niece is only six months old and now I haven't seen her for half her life and like stuff like that ends up really sucking but um overall i'm i'm alive i'm i'm healthy like my family's healthy um so i can't complain yeah can't complain too much but one thing that when you and i chatted a little bit before that you said you'd be down to talk about i actually just like wrote something a few days ago on virtual therapy so like i'm someone who has been in therapy for like almost four years now i guess which is crazy to say (laughs) um because it still feels relatively new in the grand scale of my life um but how how have you found that were you like an in therapy person and you've now transitioned to virtual therapy and how's that been for you has it been as awesome as it kind of has been for me or different for you i'm just curious to hear about that yeah, I've had a really great experience um, with it. So therapy overall, I've been going off and on um, for about six years. Okay. Uh, no, I guess, hold on, I'm 26, eight years. So on and <laughs> okay, off since wow. I was a kid. Mental math, man. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, but, but overall, I mean, therapy is an, uh, a, an amazing part of my life. Um, uh-huh. I, I'm more on the anxiety end of things, any kind of depressive symptoms I ever have come from the level of anxiety I'm currently experiencing. So Uh it's very much like anxiety and not like, um, I tend to stop communicating. Like that's one of my big things is like my communication Mm -hmm. abilities just plummet when I'm super anxious. So uh, I started seeing, (laughs) yeah, sucks. Uh, I started seeing this therapist in January and we were able to transition to virtual therapy. So I'm doing that uh, at this point every other week. And especially you know, having fewer people than normal to communicate with and like wanting to keep your home life as smooth as possible, especially like in a relationship. I've been with my husband for five years. Uh Uh, We've been together for five years. And I think it's like, I think it's easier to ignore stuff right now or kind of sweep stuff under the rug because you're like, well, why fight? I have to be with this person 24 seven. Yeah. (laughs) So like, why even bring it up? So that's been really helpful. Just like, um, you know, bouncing off ideas on how to communicate and, you know, different 
ways to frame that and, you know, just to kind of a check-in, I think is more important right now than ever. Yeah. Like something interesting. It's interesting that you say like you transition that because my therapist I'm with now, actually, I saw for the first time in virtual therapy. So I've actually, I went, I go to like a, uh, I don't have, I don't have health insurance right now. So like I go to a, uh, I go to like a group, like it's like a group thing where Mm -hmm. I kind of see a different there. I was seeing a different therapist each time I would go. Um, It was like some of them were studying. Some of them were like just doing a pro bono and stuff. So, I mean, it's all, it's awesome. It's kind of them to do like they're doing, they're doing work for free, important work for free. Um, But this particular therapist that I'm like cycling on right now for a little period of time, I've only met in quarantine. So it's funny. Like I think I found myself able to open up quicker and, and jump a lot of those steps because like, I was comfortable in my own personal surroundings immediately. Like something I wrote about, yeah. and this is, this is very much a specific to New York City thing, but I hated leaving therapy and like I just like opened up and finally would just like talk about these things I, I wouldn't be talking about otherwise. And then I, you know, like that kind of raw empty, like a good empty for me, but like that raw empty feeling at the end of therapy session. And then I'm back out on the street and on the subway with like hundreds of people crowded. And like it's just it was a little constant. bit tough for me. Yeah, like, yeah. So I think what started to happen was I kind of started towards the end of therapy sessions, closing myself off a little bit, just kind of like getting in that mental space to like mentally like prepare to like face the real, exactly, like kind of like preparing myself to enter the, the real world. Um, so I think having this first appointment with this new therapist here, like I'm sitting in my room, like I'm literally where I am right now, like mm-hmm. my dog's sitting on my lap, like I love that, like being able to have right. that. And then knowing that like, if I wanted to, I could kind of just like crawl back into bed or I could go upstairs and cook or I could go for a run. Like it didn't need to be like, okay, get home now. Like I was already home. And like, I, I, like I'm hesitant to even say that. Like, I think I might even continue with this virtual therapy thing Mm -hmm. um, afterwards. I think there are benefits to the in-person stuff, but I think it's great. You've had a positive experience. I don't know why, but I totally thought that it would suck. Like I just thought it would be terrible. But yeah. then like when I broke it down, like, it wasn't like you still, I think, and maybe it is cause I'm in a million zoom calls for work and like, I'm used to right. telecommunicating. Like it's familiar to me, but yeah, no, like I found right away, I was able to jump right in and be comfortable. Yeah. I think being familiar with the technology piece of it is definitely a big thing. I heard from my therapist that some of her other clients are not handling the transition quite as well. But uh-huh. I mean, like I said, I've been home since July, so I'm very used to uh, virtual meetings at this point. I think it's, you make a really good point though about being immediately comfortable in your surroundings. I think mm-hmm. starting to see a new therapist, you're like, okay, what does their office look like? Is their couch comfortable? Like, what do they yeah. have? Like, is there a pillow? Where, like, what's the location yeah. of the tissues? Like, like you gotta like, exactly. navigate. I was just thinking the tissues, like where are yeah. the tissues at? And like <laughs> that kind of thing. And then on top of that, like I've just been, I've been through a dozen therapists just cause like I moved and then my health insurance changed three times and then right. I didn't have any. And then I did. And then, so like, I've been all over the place. So I mm-hmm. think at times, like I kind of know what to do in therapy now. Like I'm a good client. So like I I I know know. how to treat it. So it's almost less about if I think like my therapist is like this incredible voice who's able to get through to me. That's a bonus if that happens. I, it's not personally my incredible experience with therapy, but I think a big part of that is like, is the surrounding comfortable? And I think kind of getting rid of that and having that here, um, I I think was like a huge thing. Cause you're right. Like there's little things that, until you just like said a couple of those out loud, like, yeah, like, is the couch comfortable? Like, am I, is it one of those couches? Like I've found some therapists, like it's one of those couches where you're kind of slowly sliding down as you're talking and then you're readjusting <laughs> right. yourself. And then you're like, Oh my God, my posture is awful. And then boom, 
you lost the 20 minutes of focus that you were kind of trying to build on and stuff. Right. So I think yeah. it's been really interesting there. I think, I mean, I understand it. I, I, I see how it could be kind of negative for some people. Like I see mm-hmm. people who aren't maybe that comfortable in their personal surroundings or wanted to kind of draw like a, a, a strict line to separate the two or who feel like they need, I don't know, like a, like a pat on the leg or like a tap on the back or, you know what I mean? Something like that. But like, I'm saving so much time. Like I'm saving energy. I, the stress of not showing up late or like oh, so stressful ir- to be in therapy on time. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Uh-huh. I feel or that. the irritability of showing up on time and then a session runs long and then you're saying, yeah. like, I'm not really going to be like, like, come on, time's up. to like person. the person who's in a therapy right. session because I've been that person. I'm short too. But no, like I, it's, it's been incredible. I, I love that you brought it up and that you said it's something that you're enjoying too. Cause mm-hmm. I think it's also, it just affords it just kind of affords the fact that I just, it, and I don't have anything, this is dumb to say, because I don't have anything to like concretely back this up or evidence or yeah. statistical data, but it just makes me feel like maybe it could be more accessible. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like maybe a therapist who is interested in doing some pro bono work, like doesn't need to find someone in their local area and can just can put online that they have this availability or like there can kind of be more complex online networks set up. Um, mm-hmm. And like, that's kind of my hope with it is because- I mean, accessibility there. I, I went without a therapist for 14 months at one point because I, I didn't have the money and or the health yeah. insurance or anything. So like, I, but now all of a sudden I found someone who's going to do it for free online. And so I'm hoping that that, I know I'm fortunate in that, um, but I'm hoping that that kind of ends up, ends up being the case overall. Yeah. I think that this is teaching us that a lot of things are more accessible than, yeah you know, whatever policy or person in charge would have us believe, which Uh I think, you know, a lot of things we've always known, like, you know, everything from what programs are offered online at um, universities to healthcare and and telehealth and all of that stuff. I think the world is just a lot more accessible than people that are comfortable with their old ways would have you believe. And I think if, hopefully, if anything good comes out of that, it's that's honestly that's yeah that's an incredible point and like just showing that like hey we can do this or maybe it's not as difficult or as awkward or confusing or this like every pretty much everyone that's a very privileged statement i'm not gonna say everyone has a computer but like everyone whether it's through the library system or something like should everyone should have access to therapy and like this just kind of gives me a little bit more hope and i'm not like a necessarily overwhelmingly hopeful person i'd say the opposite (laughs) but like it gives me like a little bit of hope that like maybe that one person who couldn't figure it out or that mom who didn't have time, you know, in between work and picking her kids up could like hop on the phone or like hop on a call waiting in the parking lot or something. I mean, it just, I think mm-hmm. it's, I have, I don't know. It's like something I'm feeling good about right now. And I'm not really feeling yeah. good about much. You know what I mean, with everything going on. So where you can get it for sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, that was a great chat and that's pretty much all the time that I've allotted for this. Um, cool. but thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, um, of course. This was, let me, this was cool. Yeah, this was fun. Um, and I appreciate you being open and honest about, I know it's a difficult thing uh, about, you yeah, know, being in therapy and having a therapist and stuff like that. People can find you at Fallon Moore on Twitter. At Fallon Moore. Yeah. All right. Yep. F-A-L-L-O-N-M-O-O-R-E. Mm-hmm. Boom. Nailed it. It's not a very difficult name to spell, Nailed so it. I don't know why I'm so proud of myself right there. Um, but yeah. Oh, wow. No, no, there are several <laughs> oh, would people I be surprised? Would I be surprised? There's a Maybe reason that's... that my display name is Fallon is my first name. I have had multiple, multiple people like over my life uh-huh. argue with me that they asked for my first name and I gave them my last oh, name. Oh, I get that. I get that with Carlin Bailey on it's occasion. It's like Jimmy Fallon. Yeah. Yeah. Like I get that oh. on occasion with Carlin. Oh, Cause like yeah. Bailey is a relative. The thing <laughs> is like Bailey's a very popular dog's name. 
and so like people don't directly associate it right. with, uh, with an adult male and then it's often a woman's name too uh, <laughs> so it's like they see they, like i get yeah. called like most of the time i answer the phone it's hello ma'am or hello miss and i'm like oh uh, nope oh, yeah. not so much um i get mr yeah, exactly. pretty often yeah um well thank you so much for coming on i really appreciate it yeah, truly thanks. um and yeah so i uh, uh yeah that's all i got <laughs> Well, that's all we got for you this week remember to rate review subscribe tweet at me if you like what you're listening to slide into my dms on twitter instagram wherever it works i really appreciate you all listening it's been a blast uh see you next week